This is episode 336 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Prime Locations for Post-Disaster Salvage, How to Prevent Your Foods from Going Rancid, and Conflicted, Proving Himself, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. I truly believe that having multiple streams of income is the key to surviving in the times ahead. If you'd like some more information, come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. There's a link in the show notes. Hey, I want to also let you know that a couple of, well, probably months ago, uh, Survival Hacks provided a coupon code to their 105-piece first aid kit. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a smaller first aid kit, but it comes in a nice little pouch and it's a starter kit. You know, one of those that you might want to keep, you know, in your vehicle or maybe in uh, a get home bag, uh, you, you know, maybe in at your, at the, the, the workplace. Right. And so, uh, you know, they provided that coupon code and shared that out uh, a couple of months back. But recently, they sent me an even better coupon code, and I've been sharing that out, and I wanted to make sure. I, I don't think I shared it on the podcast, and I just wanted to let you know. Basically, you get one, or you buy one, get one free. So you buy one uh, first aid kit at fifteen ninety eight, and then you get one free. So they come out to be around seven ninety eight each, and I think that's a great deal. So you get two uh you know two first aid kits two 105 piece first aid kits for uh 15.98 and so if you uh, haven't purchased one of those or you you know you need a gift or you want to keep something around uh to give a you know give away to someone or I mean there's just so many different things that you can do it's such a great deal and so I just wanted to pass that along to you uh there is a link in the show notes and you can go over to Ed that matters and grab the coupon coupon code and go over to Amazon and purchase it. I don't make a lot of money. It is my Amazon affiliate link that goes over to Amazon, but I really don't make a lot of money. I mean, when you're talking about, uh, you know, something so uh, inexpensive, uh, there's just not a lot in there as far as uh, affiliate uh, money there, but it is a great deal. And I did want to pass that on to you. And so Survival Hacks seems to always come up with great deals. And so there you go. If you are looking for a first aid starter kit or something to keep around the uh, uh, the, the the office or like I said, the vehicle or whatever, there's always kind of always things going on. You know, one of the things uh, I've been uh, I've been kind of worn out the last two weeks. I mean, things have been just going crazy for me. And uh, I volunteered to teach a technology camp. Uh, and uh, so one of the little girls scraped herself. Or I don't know how she did it, but anyway. So one of the students, you know, needed a band aid, and so uh, I had my little uh, Altoids kit, first aid kit, and I was able to, uh, or mini kit, and I was able to give her uh, a band aid because there's just there's no school nurses because it's, I mean, it, you know, school is out, 
And so this is uh, more of a summer enrichment program. And uh, But I had that, you know, Band-Aid for her. Uh, if I would have had this survival kit, because it is small enough, and I've even thought about just getting one and putting it in my backpack, uh, carrying it around because I have the space for it. I would have had a lot more and uh, would have had, you know, be able to share those Band-Aids out. Actually, that has happened twice this week uh, now that I think about it. So I've shared Band-Aids <laughs> out twice with students who needed it. And so like, hey, let's go to Mr. Sepulveda. He, uh, he's got all the first aid stuff, I guess, when there's not a nurse around. So anyway, that's over at Ed That Matters. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And so if you, uh, you know, if you're interested, go check that out. Hey, I just wanted to um, mention too, you know, Donald Trump had this thing over, you know, with North Korea and uh, uh, the short little fat man, you know, rocket man, whatever we want to call him. I guess nobody's calling him that right now. It's really a historical thing. And, you know, if this would have been any other president, man, everybody would have been singing his praises. And it's just, I think it's so crazy to find all or to, to, well, to yeah, to find, to listen, to read all the negativity about this, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? If Obama would have done this, I mean, he would have won another Nobel Prize, right? Or something along those lines. If Bill Clinton would have done this, oh man, you know, it's just, it's just really crazy. And I'm not trying to do a, you know, Republican, Democrat thing here. It just shows, goes to show how negative and how divisive our media is right now. So you got to really be careful about where you're getting your media or where you're getting your news from. And, uh, you know, I use Twitter and uh, I even subscribe to uh, not even or I follow some of the, the liberal uh, Twitter ch- handles. And I do that on purpose because I want to see what other people are saying. And it's just sometimes I forget that I'm doing that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these people are idiots. And I want to, you know, I'm going to like unfollow them. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm following them for a purpose because I want to see what everybody is saying. So I'm, you know, want to hear it from all, all sides, but it's just really, I just think it's really, really crazy. It's so hypocritical out there what the different sides do. And, uh, you know, regardless of what has happened, no other president of the United States has ever met with the leader of North Korea. And so if you think about it a month ago, we could have been, you know, we could have gone to war with North Korea. You know, we could have sent uh, missiles and, and all kinds of things that way. And here they are meeting together, and it's this historic thing. So it's uh, it's crazy. We don't really know what all is going to uh, come from it, but you know, at least there is talk, and that's always good. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Just the hypocrisy that's out there. I don't know if you're getting fed up with it. Uh, I'm I'm just like I, it's hard to to take now. You know, when you just you start seeing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I see it from anybody. And guys, I've got family members that just hate Trump. And I see all the, 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 the junk that they put on Facebook. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, I try to stay, you know, all with the, the scriptures. And, uh, you know, I post my little devotional every morning. And uh, that's pretty much all I do on my personal Facebook. Of course, I'm in the, the Facebook group and the Facebook page, uh, those types of things, as well as uh, the forums. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy out there how people just are, are thinking and reacting and uh, it, it just goes to show that you know this world is still very, very fragile, regardless of where you think everything has uh, is, is has been going. You know the the economy. Everyone's saying the economy is good and all that kind of stuff. And you know good times are here again. 
but none of the fundamentals have changed. They're all, they've all stayed the same. In fact, they're, they're getting worse. Our debt has been going up and rising and interest rates are going to start rising. People are starting to feel the crunch. Uh, Martin Armstrong is always talking about Europe, how Europe is going to start to really uh, dissolve. And we're seeing that, you know, France is calling out Italy for Italy, you know, coming down on uh, immigration and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You have Sweden who's throwing out pamphlets, you know, being prepared and and even letting their uh, their reserves, you know, let them. There was a drill. And oh, man, there's just it's just crazy. So. Uh, we're keeping our eyes open as always. So anyway, I think I've, uh, you know, talked that to death there. I just feel that this week has been really going fast for me. And so when I've been recording, uh, I just feel like I, I, I think like yesterday I was like, by the time I finished and I was listening to it and editing, I'm like, man, I was talking like 90 miles to a minute. You know, it was, I don't know, man, it was just crazy. And so, uh, you know, kind of trying to slow down just a little bit not go so fast uh, but it's just that's you know recording the the podcast kind of late and so uh, definitely keep me in your prayers because uh, hopefully it'll slow down after this week for me just a little bit all right our first article comes to us from theprepperjournal.com and the article is entitled prime locations for post disaster salvage this is a pretty good article there's a lot of good information here so let's go ahead and start reading this one I'll leave the scavenging versus looting debate to others and propose a situation where big chunks of humanity have died off, where fires and flooding rivers and sewage systems change, where humanity is located and what legal services are in play, that we're resupplying a community that has come together or expanded, or that we're trying to make our way home through a landscape with few remaining residents. I'll also specify abandoned locations and leave the option of trading for supplies we find. Which resources most apply is situationally dependent. The type of disaster affects the time frame and duration, number of souls and affected area size. The number, mode of travel, and goals for the people searching for supplies also affects what's useful. Even so, there are a few spots that can offer a lot of different resources for pretty much anyone, whether it's short runs to a nearby area or a group or individual passing through totally unfamiliar territory. Gathering grid down intel on resources in areas around us or that we're passing is its own entire article. But keep an eye out for phone books in offices and libraries and travelers maps and brochures from hotels welcome centers and law enforcement offices as you run around. They can not only give you ideas for resource locations that are less likely to be occupied or already stripped, but also give us places to avoid, like an alligator farm, sewage treatment plant, and dense urban centers. Okay, so prepare for foraging. There's likely to be some locks to get around as we work through our locations. Many toolboxes can be defeated with a screwdriver or stiff, thin wire. Some types of key and combination locks can be defeated with bent sections of soda cans, pieces from cans that can be cut with pretty much any old dull, crappy pocket or kitchen paring knife or scissors. Most locks won't stand against a crowbar smacked with a mallet. Two wrenches, a file, or a hacksaw blade take little space and weight and can remove either a lock or the loop holding it. Mentality is also important. 
most of our surroundings are pretty versatile. That spool of cable or wire is cordage, be it unwound to make shoelaces or stitched to duffel bag to a backpack frame, or used whole for a rope paddock. Lined blackout curtains, shower curtains, and hotel blankets that beat off water are a poncho or a ground cover too. A hot water heater has all kinds of options to include being a source of water if it wasn't emptied and rainwater catchment for a homestead. I'll look at three options with a lot of offerings possible, but there are many other resource-rich locations out there that may be abandoned early or outlast additional disasters that strike during a crisis and wreck our well-laid plans. So the first location are construction sites. These and the parent company sites and equipment rental shops are rife with potential. There's vehicles with heavy-duty batteries, diesel in vehicles with its longer storing advantage, and periodically generators. The shipping containers on some sites have use on their own, as do the Hivis and chain link fencing that regularly enclose them. Depending on where they are in construction or renovation stages, sites can also be an excellent source for things like buckets bottled drinks and water or emptied bottles that can be filled, tarps or drop cloths with their many uses, heavy-duty contractor trash bags, gloves, hard hats, and caulk, paint, or sealant. The raw materials on some sites can be handy too if we've been pushed out or unable to reach our supplies. Many road construction and repair sites and some building construction sites use solar-powered caution signs. Those panels will be pretty darn handy if our energy preparations went down in a fire or flood or a community force decides to divvy everything up. The next one is hotel lobbies. First, let's dispel a misconception. Most hotels, especially in the lower or mid-range pricing levels, do not actually have emergency power. Some might have a generator somewhere on the property or an emergency power supply, like a battery, on their keycard machine or computer, but many don't. So if that's on your checklist, throw it out. Hotels might be a risky move just because they do offer housing for survivors who've been pushed out of homes. Everything in a disaster merits caution, but go ahead and weigh this one against exact scenarios. Hotels will also likely be full or will have already been stripped before evacuees move on in many disasters. Consumables like toilet paper, continental breakfast supplies, and coffee may already be gone. Some already have issues with theft from food and laundry vending, just like laundromats. However, some of the major advantages of hotels barely get touched even in normal daily operation. I specified the lobby for a reason. Somewhere near the front desk, you'll find racks of brochures for area attraction, the same type you'd find at a welcome center off the highway. You also sometimes regularly find a little sale ad and coupon books for the local area which can provide the same information as a phone book and hey also a location where you can still find those phone books check for city county and region tourism maps too the receptionist usually have access to other goodies behind the counter and in back rooms some are the typical provided or by request consumables like toothpaste and tooth toilet paper shampoo and conditioner and soap. Depending on how busy it was before abandonment, those may still be there. Most have some hand sanitizer right there. Same holds true for gas stations. 
These people handle some grubby money that comes out of some brow-lifting locations. There's probably a drawer or a cabinet back there with some sort of wiped-down disinfectant, a flashlight, sometimes a few basic tools and some duct tape. They're cleaning that desk area and the lobby, lounge, and bathrooms. Those supplies are there somewhere too, most usually, readily at hand without having to tag a housekeeper. Also, look for a lost and found locker, drawers or cabinets, or a laundry cart with bagged items piled up. People are grody, but they also sometimes leave useful stuff behind. Depending on the event, the rooms might still have supplies to offer too. There may be light bulbs, batteries, and the remotes and linens and blankets, mirrors, writing supplies, or other goodies. By all means, take the soap. In room, coffee supplies, and shampoo, conditioner from hotels in normal daily life. They're accepted as daily stay cost items and mostly aren't supposed to stay for the next guest. When you take batteries, rolls of toilet paper, boxes of Kleenex, light bulbs, towels, or pillows from the average low to mid-range hotel, you're stealing and eventually it dries up the cost for everybody else because management now factors one in X rooms getting stripped into the average pricing. The same holds true when people help themselves to half the supplies in a human or animal examination room. So the next one is restaurants. Restaurants may very well get emptied of food pretty quickly. It already happens when snowstorms and hurricanes shut down shipping. However, if an area was evacuated or the power went out quickly, restaurants may still have some pantry goods on their shelves. There may also be calories that were overlooked, even if others have already scavenged, and there's heaps of other goodies. If we aim for restaurants that are heavy on fried foods, we may land both used and unopened oil. That can be turned into biofuel for diesels or used to boost the calories of lean squirrels and wild greens. Restaurants that primarily serve fresh bread, fresh toppings, and fresh or frozen meats don't do much for us if we're after food. We might be able to score some of the instant beans and rice or mashed potatoes from a Popeye's, but a Wendy's is likely to only yield salad dressing, ketchup, and pickles. If we target one that serves great bunches of battered chicken, fried fish, and hush puppies, there's something else the first scavengers may not have been desperate or creative enough to snag, the breading and the batter mixes. Remember, pretty much anything can be turned into bannock or ash cakes. Any of them may be sources for knives and sharpeners. Most will also have steam table trays and deep bussing tubs that can be used for growing, collecting water, wash stations, or preparing meals for bunches of people at a time. Higher-end restaurants may be able to provide us with more yet, such as candles, matches, lighters, propane torches, and table linens. Along with restaurants, keep an eye out for signs and phone book listings for caterers and restaurants and catering supply outlets and food service delivery trucks. Those are even more likely to have a wide variety of goods and they're more likely to be overlooked as a food source by survivors. Oddballs found everywhere. If you've left the compound on a scouting or scavenging run or are making your way with a backpack, there are some goodies you can find in almost any public place. Trash bags are a biggie for any situation. Some place like a hotel or office usually has a variety of sizes and both opaque and clear bags. They can be used for water catchment, patching a shelter or a broken car window, solar stills, transporting water, or ponchos. 
They can be used as weed exclusions in gardens, warming ground covers, or for melting snow in the case of dark bags, clutches in cool climates, or even planting containers. Check for storage, maintenance, or cleaning locker, closet, or room too. They may still have supplies after a front space was scavenged for everything from TP or paper towels to snacks and copy paper. The same is true of gas stations. They're also a good pick for hunting up a moving dolly if you need one while you're scavenging. Buckets are super handy and many public locations have some on hand in one form or another. Many places have rolling mop buckets. Trash cans of all sizes can serve the same water catchment, water hauling, feed storage, and planting purposes as buckets. Most public facilities, even privately owned small businesses, are required to have certain things on hand like first aid kits and fire extinguishers. Small businesses and hotel room plumbing is going to be similar to typical residential toilets and sinks if we're after parts. Larger volume stops like malls, schools, and large McDonald's restaurants are more likely to have specialty plumbing. Scissors are handy goodies that can be found at the front desk or back office pretty much anywhere. There's at least a small toolkit pretty much everywhere. Smoke detectors and their batteries are another we might find right handy. Other battery sources to check for pretty much everywhere during a scavenging run are remote controls and toys. In some cases, we can even modify those batteries with a wadding of aluminum foil to make them fit our devices or cut them open for something the right size or that we can chain together with some electrical tape. Now, please don't randomly peel apart batteries or cut into car batteries. Know the applicable sizes. Some of our habitual supply sources are in or past already dicey areas, and many are likely to be picked over fast and early in a disaster. We can avoid exposure, congested areas, and wasted time scoping and clearing those locations by seeking alternatives. There are plenty of others that fall into the same less obvious category, but these are pretty common pretty easy to spot, and apply to both lone travelers and small to large groups. If we keep our minds open, even if we can't get to our stored supplies or we're out of our habitual stomping grounds or end up in a part of a group or community that wasn't well prepared, we can usually find what we need. All right, guys, there's a lot of information there. And that's, you know, when you're reading an article like this and you're thinking about scavenging in this way, I mean, this is kind of like Walking Dead type stuff, you know, where they go into uh, a certain, uh, you know, a certain building and they're just looking for anything there. Uh, But, you know, it's one thing is like you're always thinking, you know, in a way that the normal person isn't thinking. And I think that's kind of what sets preppers apart a lot of the times is that we're able to think in ways that not everybody thinks. And so, you know, where people would think of, you know, a restaurant, they're going to go straight to the, you know, find all the food and and go and and not really think about like, you know, they were mentioning here, you know, the breaded items and and those types of things and what you can do with that. I mean, that would be, you know, that's very interesting or what you can do with old oil and how you can use old oil for, you know, uh, biodiesel or you can even use them to burn like in in an old fashioned lantern type thing. Uh, which is that's what we're going to be reading here in just a minute in the next article. But, you know, very interesting there. Just the fact that, uh, you know, preppers should be able to be very resourceful and think things through. And hopefully uh, by 
you know, reading articles like this or listening to articles like this and other articles that we are adding to our knowledge. We are adding to our prepper knowledge and just the ability to pull that knowledge up when we need it in the future. All right. So uh, that's over at theprepperjournal.com. And uh, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Our next article comes to us from askaprepper.com. And this one is entitled, How to Prevent Your Food from Going Rancid. It really shouldn't say food. It really should say oil. So it should be how to prevent your oil from going rancid. Because a lot of the times we do cook with oil. And even in you know a poop hit the fan situation, we do want to have some oil. And so there's some things here that you might not know. And some things that you can take into consideration when it comes to storing oil and using oil. So let's go ahead and read this one. Oils and fats have different storage times depending on the type of oil and storage conditions. Under normal storage conditions, your oil will last from a few months to three years or more. Sealed, canned, shortening powder will last three to five years but does not perform the same as regular oils. You can extend these storage times with a few tricks I'll teach you here. So what causes spoilage? Oils and fats are vulnerable to the usual causes of food spoilage microorganisms, oxidation, heat, light, pest, and time. For properly stored oils and fats, oxidation is the most common cause of rancidity, aided by time, temperature, humidity, and light. I'll cover protecting your oils and fats from all of these causes in this article. So how long does oil keep? Unopened oil keeps longer in the refrigerator or freezer. Once opened, moisture becomes a factor, so I keep most oils and fats in the pantry after opening. Moisture in the oil can shorten its shelf life as much or even more than the cooler temperature preserves it. If a cool, dry place is available, such as a basement or cellar, that would be a preferred location for storing opened oils. So there's a nifty little chart here that uh, gives you the shelf life of oil. And I'm just going to let you know, so canoil oil unopened is two years. Um, Unopened in the refrigerator is two years. Uh, After opening in the pantry is one. I'm not going to read all of these. You can go and visit the the website if you want to to uh, see it. Extra virgin uh, olive oil unopened in the pantry, one to two years. Unopened in the refrigerator, two to three years. And after opening in the pantry, two to three years. Okay, so that that doesn't kind of make sense. That doesn't make sense to me. So uh, un- unopened in the pantry, it's one to two years, but op- after being opened in the pantry, two to three years. I don't know about that one. Uh, peanut oil, unopened in the pantry, two to three years. Unopened in the refrigerator, three years, and after opening in the pantry, two years. And then I guess the next one, the next biggest, you know, safflower and sunflower seeds or sunflower oil. Uh, are the the two bigger ones there uh, that last the longest. Flavored oils such as chili oil, truffle oil, and garlic oil spoil faster than pure oils, so it is best to store oils in their natural state and flavor them as needed or store only enough flavored oil for short-term use. Extending shelf life, protecting oils and fats from, from microorganisms and pests. Exposure to microorganisms and pests will spoil your fats quickly, so care should be taken to protect oils from these problems. Microorganisms are not usually a problem if you store the oils in a clean environment, properly sealed or covered. Microorganisms grow 
faster in a warm environment and slowed or stopped by colder temperatures. If you do suspect contamination for any reason, throw it out. Oils spoiled by microorganisms may not exhibit any signs of spoilage but can cause illness. Pests are more of a problem with oils and fats. If you see any signs of rodents, such as signs of chewing or infiltration, consider the oil or fat spoiled and use it for non-food purposes, such as making candles. To prevent problems with microorganisms and pests, I store my oil in clean, dry, thick plastic buckets or metal cans. Metal is best for preventing rodents, but is costly. Protecting oil and fats from oxidation, humidity, heat, and light. Oxidation is caused by exposure to air and is accelerated by heat and light. Storing your oils and fats properly slows oxidation. So, preventing oxidation. Store oils and fats sealed, vacuum-packed, or flooded with nitrogen to exclude air. Keep them in a dry, dark location. Refrigerate or freeze them unopened. Add an antioxidant when appropriate. And date and rotate your supplies. If you cannot vacuum pack your oil or flood it with nitrogen, another way to exclude air is to completely fill the bottle before sealing it. Choose a glass bottle or jar, avoiding metal or plastics, and fill it to the rim. Clean the rim and seal the jar. Check your fill by turning the bottle upside down to observe the size of the air bubble. Ideally, you want no air, but a tiny bubble may be the best you can get, depending on the bottle. Adding an antioxidant before sealing gives you additional protection. So using antioxidant. Antioxidants will prolong the life of your oils by blocking the free radicals that cause oxidation. They won't prevent oxidation completely, but they will slow it down considerably. I add rosemary essential oil in my oils after opening. Other oxidant oils include oil of oregano, sage oil, and vitamin E. To reduce oxidation, you only need a small amount of antioxidant oil between 0.05 to 1%, approximately 3 drops to 2 teaspoons of antioxidant oil per quart of oil. The larger amount is ideal and offers the best protection, but it also adds flavor to the oil. Adding 3 drops or more of rosemary oil per quart gives you a reasonable amount of antioxidant protection without noticeably affecting the flavor. I use antioxidant oils when transferring oils into smaller containers to increase the shelf life of the opened oil. I've discussed this in more detail below. So how to tell if oil is rancid or spoiled? Oils and fats are usually labeled with a best used by date rather than an expiration date. Stored under normal pantry conditions, your oil should last beyond this date. However, by following our recommendations, you should be able to extend this storage time considerably. As oil ages, it changes in color, clarity, and texture. These are the beginnings of spoilage, but the oil may still be usable. When the oil is rancid, you will notice an unpleasant taste and smell. At this point, consider it spoiled. It won't make you sick, but it does lose its healthy properties and may become unhealthy over time. It doesn't taste good either, so you are better off not using it. It might still be used for purposes other than cooking or eating. So how to store fats to extend the shelf life. The best way to store fats and oils is in an airtight container in a cool, dark place. 
For normal storage, this means in a pantry, away from the stove or other heat sources. You can increase your storage time considerably by storing oil and fats in the refrigerator or freezer if you have the room. They will probably become cloudy and solidify, but this is normal and not a sign of spoilage. Remove them to room temperature for an hour or more before use and they will return to their liquid state. I store the oil bottle currently in use in the refrigerator or pantry and my backup supplies in the freezer. My current bottle of olive oil and most vegetable oils are kept in the pantry. Avocado oil, hazelnut oil, walnut oil, and sesame oil have a short shelf life and are always kept in the refrigerator or freezer along with all flavored oils. So storing large quantities of oils and fats. To get the best prices on my oils and fats, I usually purchase them in large containers. However, when I am ready to use them, I prefer small containers since the oil spoils faster once open. I always rotate my oils and fats, but I don't use them quickly since we limit our fat consumption. I don't like to have a large open container on the shelf. I get around this by repackaging the oil or fat immediately after opening. I pack the oil or lard tightly into a canning jar and cover it with a warm dry lid. Then I vacuum seal it to remove the air. Before vacuum sealing, you can also add an antioxidant oil such as rosemary essential oil, vitamin E, or sage essential oil to liquid oils as discussed above. I prefer rosemary oil for its pleasant flavor. Be sure to note the addition on the container. All right, guys. So, you know, one of the reasons why you need oils is because of the, you know, the fat content. It adds to it. You're able to do some different cooking with it. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, there's always those articles, you know, what would you top off with if you, uh, if you knew, you know, SHTF was coming and, uh, you know, you could go to the grocery store, what kinds of things would you buy? I mean, that might be one of the things people don't normally go to and run to is buy oil, but that might be something that you want. And again, if you don't wind up using the oil, then uh, you can always, or for, for cooking, or if it goes bad, you can always use it in a lantern. Uh, even if it's outside, you know, your gall are outside on a, on a you know, breezy evening or whatever, and you need some kind of illumination or whatever, you can make uh, uh, oil lanterns uh, from rancid oil. And so it might not smell as, you know, as pleasant as you would like it to smell, but you know, you'll have light if uh, you don't want to use your batteries or solar powered or, or whatever, you know, uh, if, if that's the scenario. But anyway, uh, one of those that you really need to consider and, you know, people are always wanting to be healthy when it comes to fats and oils. And so it looks like some of the, the healthier stuff uh, doesn't have as long of a shelf life. So that's something to consider there. And uh, like I said, there's that nice little graphic that breaks it all down for you there. So guys, that's over at askaprepper.com. And again, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check that out. Check out the graphic and uh, any comments there if you're interested in that. So everyone, because it is Thursday, I do have a conflicted scenario. And uh, this scenario is entitled, Conflicted Proving Himself, What Would You Do? not a very long scenario, but uh, like always, conflicted, uh, just in case you're new and you have never heard one of our conflicted scenarios, conflicted is a card game. And I have permission by the, the, the maker, the creator of it, 
to read a scenario every week. And so uh, we've been reading scenarios and you can do a couple of things with the scenario. The first thing is you can kind of listen to it and then work it, you know, in your own mind. And like, what would you do? Uh, be, you know, the, the name is conflicted. And so the idea is that there is going to be one of those things that, you know, is a conflicted decision. So you can work it yourself and think it through. You can maybe talk about it with someone else that you know, maybe someone in uh, that's a prepper or someone who is in the car listening to the podcast with you if you're if you're driving, or or you know you just share it around the water cooler if you feel comfortable. Like, hey, I just heard this, you know, whatever on the radio. What would you do? Uh, the other thing would be is like if you wanted to share your ideas and your thoughts. Uh, you could come over to edthatmatters.com. I link to the conflicted scenario in the show notes and you can go straight over to edthatmatters.com and you can leave your thoughts in the comment section. And that way you, you know, you provide your ideas and your comments and you can read what other people are saying as well. I think it's always helpful to, to see other people's or read other people's uh, perception and uh, their perspective, I guess, of the, uh, of the scenario. So, uh, you know, again, I always say don't ever, I mean, it's, e- it's the easy way out when you hear the scenario, you can say, well, I would never put myself in that situation. The idea is that you are in the situation. So with what you know, how would you handle it? So let's go ahead and read the scenario. You and your group have been surviving well after the collapse, but other people weren't so lucky. From time to time, someone finds your group and begs for food. Today, however, a man is asking for a test to prove himself worthy to be part of your group. What would you tell him? So again, very short scenario. Let me read it one more time. You and your group have been surviving well after the collapse, but other people weren't so lucky. From time to time, someone finds your group and begs for food. Today, however, a man is asking for a test to prove himself worthy to be part of your group. What would you tell him? So what would you do there in that scenario? Like I said, uh, if you want to, you can kind of think it through and, you know, you're good to go there. Or if you'd like to come over to Ed That Matters, you can drop your ideas in the comment section. Well, all right, guys, that is it for episode 336. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. We make it very easy for you to never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And don't forget about our Facebook group and also about the Survival Hacks First Aid Kit if that's something that you might be interested in. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.